the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Christ is risen. Today's Gospel lesson speaks of two different types of food and drink. One type is for the body, and the other type is for the soul. <clears throat> the food and drink for the body is the food that the disciples went into the city and by, and the drink being the water from Jacob's well. But Jesus speaks of another kind of food and drink, the type of food and drink that nourishes the soul. And he speaks of the drink of living water that springs up from our innermost being unto eternal life. By living water, St. Nikolai Velimirovich says this, The Lord means the gracious and life-giving water of the Holy Spirit that He promised to the faithful. Later in John's Gospel, we hear Jesus say, He that believeth on me, as the Scripture saith, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spake of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, the Holy Ghost, which had not yet been given, because Jesus had not yet been glorified. So when Jesus says, I will uh, give you living water, you can drink of living water, out of your innermost being will flow living water, he is speaking of the Holy Spirit. Jesus also speaks of a food that is to do the will of the Father and to accomplish or finish His work. After speaking to them about spiritual food, He speaks to them about the spiritual harvest which was to be reaped because it was the Father's will. Do you believe doing, that doing the will of God is nourishing? Nourishing to my soul. And if my soul is nourished, my body will benefit from that, will it not? The disciples were not the sowers of the harvest. The Old Testament prophets were the sowers of the harvest. But the apostles and those who were with them were to become the reapers of the harvest. So the Old Testament prophets were the sowers of the harvest that Jesus speaks of. The apostles were to be the reapers of that harvest. But we might ask that on this particular day of this gospel lesson, who was the first to begin reaping the harvest on that day? Was it one of the twelve apostles? No, it was the woman who had five husbands and the woman who was living with another man who was not her husband, St. Fotini, the enlightened one, brought the whole town out to meet Jesus, saying, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. And these people were not simply looking for a thrill or a sign or a wonder. The people from the town, 
when they came out. St. Nikolai reminds us of this. The Nazarenes. You remember this story when he went and spoke in the temple and everybody was silenced. And He says the, the scripture fulfilled in your hearing. And then what happened? The Nazarenes sought to cast the Lord down from the hill to destruction because of his words that he had said in the temple. They tried to kill him after that. The Gadarenes, you remember the story of the Gadarene demoniac? The Gadarenes begged him to leave them and go away. But these Samaritans, though besought him that he would would tarry with them, St. Nikolai says. The Lord responded to their plea and stayed for two days with them. Unheard of, really. And the harvest was truly abundant. For as well as those who believed in him because of the woman's words, more believed because of the words of it from his most pure lips. And so let us back up a little bit and take a closer look at this conversation that the Lord had with the Samaritan woman. St. Nikolai says that this conversation is between the Lord and the Samaritan woman What it really is, is a conversation between God, who is faithful, and the faithless soul. A conversation between the heavenly bridegroom and his bride, the human soul. My soul, your soul. Between Jesus and my soul. That's how we need to hear and understand this conversation. Do not rebuke, O Samaritan woman, St. Nikolai says, O Christian soul. Do not rebuke her, but ask yourself, Who is my husband? Have you not had five husbands already? And is not your present partner someone other than your lawful husband? He goes on, St. Nikolai goes on to say that the five husbands of the soul are our five senses. senses. Sight, hearing, smell, taste, touch. Through which our soul is carried off by the fallen world. And my present partner is my sensual understanding. My fallen mind, my fallen understanding. All the falsehood and the filth and my senses have gathered within myself and piled up as if on a rubbish rubbish heap inside of myself. Is this too difficult for us to contemplate even for a moment if this is not true? About myself. Please allow me to ask several questions which we might take as a self-examination before we come forward this morning to receive Christ the Lord, our only lawful husband, into our bodies at the time of the Holy Communion. And believe me when I say that I certainly include myself in this brief self-examination. How much anger, resentment, violence, prejudice, hatred, 
disillusionment have I received in my, into my soul through various forms of media? Calling it the news. Or staying informed when I know that it's not news and that it's not informative, but rank opinion. And that I have to taste this every day in order to feed my passion of anger. I have to have it. I have an insatiable appetite. If I think about what I set before my eyes on TV, in the movies, on the internet, in terms of maybe what I set before my eyes 40 years ago, the 80s. How much do I let in without a second of thought as to its effect on my soul? How numb have I become to visual images of fornication, adultery, same-sex behavior, open marriage, divorce, and, and the like? It's not so much that, that, that we, we see these things just on the surface, but that, that we make it normal. That we make this normative. <clears throat> When's the last time I turned off the TV or walked out of a movie theater for the sake of the protection of my soul? How much of this fallen world have I let in through sight, sound, touch, taste, and smell? How much of this activity have I justified with my own understanding? Turning the blind eye to the destructive nature of such things in my life and in the lives of those closest to me. Now, <clears throat> before we bury ourselves too deeply into the spiritual mire of our darkened souls. Let's come back to the lesson and see how this woman responded to the Lord when confronted with her sins. Samaritan woman asked Jesus for the living water. Sir, give me the living water that I may not come in thirst or draw here. And what did Jesus do? He revealed to her her many sins. What? Go and get your husband. Go and call your husband. Wow. I mean, he, he didn't smack her like that, but, he, but that was a smack. He knew what he was saying, and he knew what her condition was. Go get your husband. Why did he give her the bad news instead of the good news? But what is the good news? Is the good news that Jesus died on the cross for our sins? Well, it certainly is good news. But the good news is this. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And this was the good news that he delivered to her on that day. And she immediately understood it. 
that now she has hope for salvation. Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. <laughs> yes, yes. She acknowledged him to be a prophet in an indirect way, asked if he were the Messiah, and when he said, I who speak to you am he, she went into the city as an equal to the apostles. One of the hymns of the great Vespers reads like this. The Samaritan woman came to draw water, and when thou didst see her, O Savior, thou didst say to her, Give me water to drink, and I will fill thee with everlasting water. And the chaste woman hastened at once to the city and said to the crowds, Come and see Christ the Lord, the Savior of our souls. Is there hope? that a woman who has been married five times and divorced five times and is living with a guy who's not her husband to become chaste. Yes, there is hope. Does that make you feel good? You know what? That's supposed to make you feel good. Her witness to the one true husband of her soul, made her a chaste woman. And again, we're speaking about a woman married five times, living with another man. We're speaking about Christ, the bridegroom and husband of our souls. We're the bride. And so this gospel lesson is most definitely addresses the subject of marriage. Bridegroom and bride. Marriage. Let's take it one step further. And I would like to share with you a, a patristic quote that I've read and, and contemplated many, many times, but I never really applied this to the present situation of the whole confusion around marriage and what is marriage and what is the family. St. Gregory the Theologian offers this insight into the human family as an image of the Holy Trinity. We have an analogy of Adam. Before we do that, let me give you the, the backdrop of this, is describing the, the Holy Trinity and the three persons of the Holy Trinity and their distinction as God is the unbegotten Father, unbegotten Father. The Son is the only begotten Son, and the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father. So unbegotten, only begotten, and proceeds. These three modes of existence, they distinguish one person from the other in the Holy Trinity. And he coming off of this, he says, We have an analogy in Adam who was not begotten, for God himself molded him. Let me put that in crude terms for you. I don't believe Adam had a belly button. Think about it. The unbegotten man. And Seth, who was begotten, for he is Adam's son. And Eve, who proceeded out of the Adam's rib, for she was not begotten. Do you see it? Do you see how in the first formed family we have an image of the Holy Trinity? 
not just an image inside in, in, in each one of us individually, but, in, but, but an image in the family of the Holy Trinity. We are individually made in His image. We are as a family, as a human family, and as a human family nucleus made in His image. What does this mean except the basic family unit of husband, wife, and naturally birthed children form an image of the Holy Trinity? No other configuration of the family unit manifests an image of the Holy Trinity. And we must cling to this in order to manifest God's presence in the world and a living according to His image implanted into us by nature. Without casting disparaging remarks about people who may not be living this way, we should remind ourselves that it does mean that we are to live this way. and to be witnesses of the truth as to how we were created in the image of God, not just as individuals, but as families. Our true husband and bridegroom Savior of our souls patiently waits for us to return to the river of living water to the grace of the Holy Spirit, which we know to be the only hope of our generation, to go into the cities, into the towns, to our friends, to our relatives, with that call to come and see. Come and see the one who knows everything I ever did, Jesus Christ. Come and see him. And the one who both offers us the drink that will satisfy our souls, and to the one who will reveal to us our sins and our failed and darkened understanding. Christ is risen from the dead, and He has trampled down the death that we have breathed into our innermost being and has offered to us life. The only true life it comes from worshiping Him in spirit and truth. And we must accept the truth about ourselves and bow down before Him as we come to Him today in the Holy Communion, asking Him to forgive our sins and to give us the life everlasting and to make us chaste like this woman, St. Fotini, the Enlightened One. O Lord, meek and guileless, save us from our own evil, which we alone have nurtured in ourselves, and we pray to you, remove the evil fruit of the evil crops and help us to pluck out the evil seed from our souls. For your name is holy, always, now and ever, and unto ages of ages. Amen. Christ is risen.